Music from D.C. and Baltimore You'll find it all here on Corridor Waltzes or cut time or straight for four You'll find it all here on Corridor Welcome to the Corridor cast. This week's guest is Matt Leffler-Shulman of Mobtown Studios. Those of you that follow along with what Mobtown's doing probably already know this, but there's going to be some big changes in the works. Uh, come October, Matt's going to be getting rid of the physical space. He's still going to be recording remotely. He's uh, moving with his family to Spain for a year and then coming back. So that's cool, and I wish him well over there. This talk's a little shorter than usual. They were going to bring in another band to record, and quite frankly, I felt like I was in the way a little bit, so I just kind of wanted to get my questions in and wrap it up. But thank you very much for your time, Matt. It was good catching up with you, especially before you head out on the big move. So checking in with me, things have been pretty good since I talked to you guys last. Um, it's kind of weird to say that because right now, uh, right now things are really messed up in terms of the the news. I'm reading about Hurricane Maria smashing Puerto Rico. I'm worried about what's going on with North Korea threatening reprisals for Trump's UN speech. Uh, frankly, I hope that we're all still around for you to listen to this. But um, yeah, it's really weird. It's weird times. So personally, what I've been doing is I've been uh, throwing myself into work, throwing myself into music and uh, trying to spend some time with family. This past week was my niece's birthday, so I went down to my brother's place, and um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I got her a guitar as a gift, and she really loved it. She immediately wanted me to teach her how to shred. <laughs> uh, she's like, you know, do the rock and roll thing. Go fast. Show me how to play fast. And so I told her it was better to start out slow. Hopefully she'll take my advice. Other than that, I was up at the Dead Boy show at, at Metro Gallery. Those of you that know me personally know that I'm a huge fan, so I couldn't pass it up, even though it's only two of the original members. I was honestly kind of worried it would feel like a cash grab kind of situation because they were celebrating the 40th anniversary of Young Lad and the Snotty. But they definitely seemed into it, and the the crowd, who was definitely, definitely wearing the punk uniform of all black, uh, was very into it. And I got to shake Cheetah Crumb's hand afterwards, and that was that was really cool to me. He was outside smoking a cigarette. I headed out there on my way back home and uh, just, you know, said his music meant a lot to me and left it at that. But you could tell in his face that after all these years, he was he was still into it, which was very encouraging, very lovely to see. Gave me a little bit of hope. As I've been telling you in these past couple episodes, San Labrada will soon be in the studio. First week of October, we're recording with Frank Marchand. And I'm so psyched. We're starting to put together a priorities list because um, we want to see if we can pull out a full length, but who knows if we'll be able to do it in that time. But uh, hopefully we'll be able to get things done quickly. So that's where things are at. Um, as always, if you haven't, subscribe to Cast on iTunes or Google Play. I would really love it if you told your music friends that are interested in the podcast to get in on this. And uh, go ahead and send me any suggestions for bands you'd like to see on the show. You can reach me just at CorridorCast at gmail.com, or you can find me on Facebook or Twitter at CorridorCast. And without further ado, let's get into the show. Best of luck on your move, Matt, and te quiero mucho Puerto Rico, te quiero mucho México.
Matt. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. So we're here at Mob Town, and I wanted to talk to you because there's going to be some changes to your business, I understand, right? Yeah, yeah. So let's just dive right into that, and then I'd like to kind of go back into how you became an engineer in the first place. Sure. But to start with, can you explain what's going on with Mob Town? Sure. So we've been in this space for about 12 years, and our sort of our end goal was always to at some point own the building and we went we started going down that process i guess in january maybe maybe just before christmas and we um you know we hired a real estate lawyer and we we did everything we could to acquire the building but at the end of the day it was just it was just too complicated the um the person who owns the building had financial problems and it ended up that um, we, we just weren't able to, to, to buy the building, acquire the building. So um, at that point, we decided, you know, maybe this is, you know, a message or whatever that, you know, we, we need to do something else. And um, so it's sort of been bittersweet. But at the same time, you know, we're also we like to try new things. And it seems like every 10 years we sort of do something different. Um, so... Yeah, it'll just be different. Yeah, yeah. So how yeah. many years again did you say you've been here? 12, well, what are we in now? 2017? Yeah. We we sort of soft opened in 2006, but didn't really officially open until like 2007. Okay. Yeah. That's a long time. It's a long time, yeah. Yeah, yeah we def- it's definitely, you know, felt like home for a while. All right. Yeah. I want to cover some good memories, but let's also talk about looking forward. So yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, Mobtown Studios is not going away. No, you, most definitely uh, not. Can you explain what's what, what the next phase is? Sure. Well, well, the the uh, in a month uh, we're going to be working from Spain. Um, uh, we're bringing the family. We'll be doing some homeschooling and right. life learning with the kids, and we'll also Emily and I will be working um, starting in Spain. Um, so that'll be exciting. Totally yeah, really. different and crazy and all all the things. Um, so we're super stoked about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't want to derail you, but sure. why Spain? What's, that's a huge change. Um, well, there's many reasons. We honeymooned in Spain, so we're familiar with it, especially the area we would be in. And my son's been in Spanish immersion, so he can speak the language, he can understand the language. So it would be an easy transition for him, and he could sort of be our C-3PO for, you know, the country. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. So he's yeah. going to be our translator. Exactly, yeah. How old is your son now? He's six. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. you're gonna have your six-year-old son basically, like, <laughs> ac- you know, make you accustomed to the whole. Totally. World. And Emily is pretty good with with languages. Sometimes she'll like trans uh, transfer into uh, uh, to Russian, but you know, yeah. <laughs> Russian, Spanish. It's, it's all, all kind the of the same, same stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's wild. Yeah. Um, okay. Right. So, so yeah. So, so yeah, we're gonna, gonna go to Spain, on. and then. We'll be coming back in um, August 2018, just before the school year, so the kids can go back to school. Um, but in the meantime, we'll be, you know, I'll be mixing and mastering records. Um, I won't obviously be recording bands because we don't have a studio right now. But when I get back, um, I mean, the really nice thing about when this all happened, and I, we posted a note on Facebook, um, a bunch of studio owners in the area, actually, and outside of the area in D.C. and one in Philly, Everyone kind of reached out to me. They're like, you know, my, my house is your house. Whatever you need, like, you're more than welcome to, to freelance in any of our studios, which was really, it's really, it, it felt really nice. Um, a lot of studios that, you know, I had a lot of respect for 
um, veterans, really nice guys. So, yeah, did I derail too, too hardcore? No, no, okay. um, but I did want to ask you, sure. for after hearing that, um, yes. is, is it a pretty tight-knit community of people with recording studios? Totally. Well, yeah. I mean, I think so, yeah. I mean, we all know each other um, for the most part. You know, we all tr- trade gear, bar gear, sell gear with each other. Um, you know, if there's a band that comes to me that's not necessarily a good fit for me or vice versa with another studio, we always send them, you know, where they, you know, would be a best fit. I know in certain industries, it's very competitive and there, there is a competitive nature to it. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, like we're all just, you know, nerds who like to record <laughs> bands and, and artists and yeah, we all get along for the most part. That's good. Yeah. So how did you get involved with this in the first place? Yeah, I've, I've been very interested in music, but just from a playing aspect, how did you become a, uh, a do you like the term engineer? I know that there's sure. some people that like different things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, whatever it is, the person <laughs> pressing record. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you get started down that path? Um, I was in a band in high school and there was a four track that the bassist owned, um, John Argentero. And, uh, no one else really wanted to mess with it and it would stay there at home when we would practice in my my parents basement and the four track would just kind of sit there in the basement when the band wasn't there and i just fiddle around with it and eventually i became the person that was recording the bands and i started you know getting two microphones and then different microphones and then i started putting baffles up and changing things and it just started to fascinate me yeah that's cool yeah slow Um, long journey so you kind of uh you kind of had a hands-on learning experience. Did you also go to school? Oh, right, right, yeah. Or? So, yeah. So right. High school happened, and then um, I started applying to colleges, and this was in the 90s. And in the 90s, there weren't so many schools that you could get a, a bachelor's degree in recording. Um, so I think there was Berkeley, and there was Middle Tennessee State University, um, which I ended up at Middle Tennessee now every school has a program. Um, Towson has a great program. UMBC has a great program, um, and even Peabody has a program. Yeah. Now, did you grow up in Baltimore, though? Or? No, I grew up in DC, outside of DC. Okay. So, yeah. how did you end up here, Baltimore? Two reasons. My wife Emily is from here. When we were in DC, we wanted to do what we're doing now, but in DC, and it was just totally cost prohibitive. It's wow. a very expensive town, and. Um, my friend Al Shipley at the City Paper, you know Al, yeah. um, he said, come to Baltimore, the scene here is crazy, and I was going to shows here all the time, and I was like, this kind of makes sense, and it was affordable, um, the art scene is awesome here because it's affordable, so we, we took the plunge, we sold our house in D.C. and made our way here with Were a dog. Yeah. <laughs> Were you living in D.C. proper? or We some? were in D.C. proper, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Was there a little bit of culture shock? culture shock um i don't know i don't know what you mean (laughs) define culture shock (laughs) well i just know when i go to dc um i've had some internships there and things of that nature and it's just like it seems like everyone has places to be all the time oh totally totally yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) i mean i I don't know if this is the right thing to say but i don't want to say baltimore people are more real but um, yeah, no, totally. I'm, I'm totally with you on that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Walt, Walt likes to say, you know, DC people always ask where you work is the first question, and Baltimore people don't tend to ask that. 
necessarily. It's more so like, what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not necessarily what you do for a living, but what do you do? Yeah, yeah totally. Because, but, and, and that's one of the great things about Baltimore is you can do what you want to be doing in Baltimore and make money doing it. Yeah. And that's something you can't really do in D.C. Unless, you know, you want to work for the government or be a contractor or weapons or stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Now, uh, speaking of culture shock, going to Spain, I'm sure, will be uh, very different. Mm-hmm. Now, you were there. What, what region are you going to? So it's the, um, is it, it's the Costa Brava, the Catalan area. Okay. So it's like east coast, sort of southish maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Barcelona area. Barcelona yeah. area. I've never actually been, but I know like everybody that's been loves Barcelona. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. 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 Um, so what do you anticipate will be the biggest things you'll have to adjust to? The whole, uh, in, in Spain specifically? Yeah. Oh, the, the whole time shift actually because everything is sort of later right. um dinner at 10 yeah it's like everything is just later when we were there on our honeymoon it, we were there we, were, we actually honeymooned for six weeks and it took us just about that long to sort of get adjusted to that time shift um it's sort of like like extreme jet lag yeah i'll get back to mob town studio sure we'll look backwards a little bit yeah. now what are some of the things that you'll miss about the studio what have you what have you um do you have highlights of recording certain bands, things like that? I mean, I've definitely had some favorite moments, those aha moments with bands where they like, you know, have struggled with, with sections of songs or, you know, just tracking a part and they finally nail it. And it's, uh, it's one of those like cathartic moments where like they're almost in tears because they're so happy that they just got it done and did it correctly and did it the way they wanted to. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really going to miss the, um, the micro show series that we've been doing for a long time. Um, it's just like sitting out on the porch, drinking a beer and like someone walking by and they're in a band. They're like, Hey, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. That sort of thing. Um, it's not to say that won't happen again, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. That sort of thing. One of my goals for this podcast is trying to build a little bit of a sense of community, which is something that I think the micro shows really did. Oh yeah. You get everybody in this tight space listening to a band that like they wouldn't be here if they didn't love that band. Totally. Totally. <laughs> so, uh, you kind of hinted at just now. Do, do you think that might continue in some way? It will. Yeah. I, there's definitely some things in the works. Um, I'm talking to a couple people um, and agencies. So, yeah, most definitely it will continue in some fashion. I don't know if, it'll be, if it will be called a micro show. Um, maybe. But definitely it will continue in some fashion. Do you have a favorite one that you've had in here? Um, yeah, I mean, I have a couple. Um, I don't usually play favorites, but I will today. (laughs) Um, the celebration one was really awesome. The wing dam one was really awesome. Um, I'm trying to think what else was really awesome. I mean, there's there's so many of them. I don't want to be cocky, but there were a lot of them. (laughs) Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Do you, what, were, what were some of your favorites? Which ones? I actually didn't get to go oh, no. to many, which is a real bummer. Yeah. But I, I'm the Wingdam one. I would have loved to have been. Yeah, it was really good. Shame, but yeah, yeah, Black Sage was really good. Um, Elon was really good. Um, yeah, I mean there were, there were yeah there were just so many of them. It was it's it's really cool listening back to all of the. Um, the micro shows, because it's not just, you know, indie rock, it's mm-hmm. so many different genres and it's, I feel like it really exemplifies Baltimore, sort of like what Discord did for a, a, a sect of the, uh, DC music scene in the nineties. Kind of like a slice of the whole yeah. thing that's going on. Yeah. Even more macro than Discord did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, uh, so going forward, if bands want to still be involved with your project, sure. um, how can they do that? Is there or the website will still be going? We'll okay. still be on Facebook. Yeah. So the. For the, for the time being, you know, we're going to be encouraging bands um, to record in their basements, in their practice spaces, and then sending me the tracks to mix. That's sort of my, you know, the next stage right now for the time being, yeah. Uh, mixing is an incredibly important part of the process, but um, for the recording side, sure. for people that don't have a lot of experience that with that, yeah. uh, what kind of tips would you offer? Oh, <laughs> I mean, there's, I mean, there's so many different things and, um, that's definitely something I'm going to start, um, doing on the website is sort of giving people who don't necessarily know how to record a way to record with, you know, uh, a Shure SM57 and, you know, their iPhone and whatnot and doing things with, with the tools you have in that, that tape op kind of mentality. Yeah. Using what you have and not trying to get that SSL console that you'll never have. Right. Yeah. Well, I always thought, like, if the sound is good, as long as you can hear the re- through the recording okay, like, that's... And there's totally funny. truth to that. I think garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. It's like, you know, work on your tone, work on your fingers, work on your voice, and then everything else really should just come into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Bono uses a 57 in the studio, like... Oh, sometimes I did not know that. Yeah. Not all the time, but sometimes. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah. I mean, Michael Jackson's Thriller was done in a Shure SM7. No shit, like, It's really? like a $300 mic. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. You don't have to have a $4,000 mic to sound good. That's good advice. Yeah. On this advice train of thought, yeah. um, for people that might be interested in learning more about recording, what would you recommend? Uh, subscribing to Tape Up, which is a magazine. It's free. Larry Crane in uh, Portland runs it. Um, he recorded Elliot Smith, um, Slater Kinney, those type of bands. Um, he's been running this magazine oof, for maybe 15 years, longer than that, maybe 20 years. It's free. Um, they also have a, a message board online that's amazing. Um, super inclusive. Um, not judgmental like other message boards out there. Yeah. Not to name any. Um, <laughs> but we know the kind of thing you're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Super, super open-minded people. Um, always open for something different. Um, yeah, that's that, that's totally what I recommend. And, you know, um, if other studios do micro-show type things just showing up at a studio and seeing what they do. Yeah. All right. So there's about a month left of the physical space as we record this. So what's in the pipeline? What, what can we expect to be coming out of the studio in this last month here? Oh, um, well, I'm working, what am I working on right now? I'm working on sort of a folk rock band right now. Um, Crisco dreams. They're coming in to mix for a week next week. Um, I'm finishing up a project with Evan Tucker, which is, um, musical representations of the Psalms from the Bible. Oh, wow. Yeah, vocally um, and instrumentally. Um, all done in Hebrew. It's uh, it's very, very intense music. It's very sort of strenuous on the mind. Yeah, that sounds wild. Yeah, it's very wild. <laughs> yeah. Is um, that kind of... What's the right word? Is, is that kind of uh, intense to be working on? It's super it's intense, yeah. It sort of melts my brain and then I sort of can't really do anything else for the rest of the night. I sort of just have to like shut my brain off because it was just so intense during the day. Um, but yeah, we've been in the past two years, we've done 10 Psalms, which doesn't sound like a lot, but I mean, some of these sessions are just enormous with like 200 plus tracks and oh yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. How do you even mix 200 tracks? Like, what's the process? Carefully, <laughs> sort of in groups, and yeah, I mean, I don't know, You in, in Radioland, you can't see my desk, but it's sort of a mess right now. There's, you know, laptops and hard drives and beer and, you know, I, I can't mix like that, so usually, like, I clear my desk, everything is clean, I vacuum, I sort of, like, do all the, like, OCD kind of things, and, and then I feel like at that point, then I can start mixing. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you mentioned Al, I know Al's been in here as well, right? Yeah, yeah, he'll be in tomorrow. Yeah, right, so we're finishing up a record with him. Was that a Woodford record, or? No, it's, well, it's two, twofold. Okay. He, he booked, like, a week, and we did um, uh, Western Blot, which is his solo project. Um, this is going to be his second record, and we I think we tracked, like, 15, 14 songs, mm-hmm. And then we're um, he'll probably only release ten or eleven of them. Okay. Um, but last night Woodfur came in and tracked two songs. Oh, nice. Yeah, not mixed, yeah. but um, yeah, we just tracked drums, guitar, and vocals. I think in like three hours. It was amazing. It was fast, and those guys are super great. Did you have anything to do with that first Western Blot album? It's so good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you did. I did that all was with that him. Here? Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure where he did that, but um, well, he d- he actually recorded that with me in my old studio in D.C. Oh, yeah, okay. that was like the one project that I did at both studios. Gotcha. Yeah. So where was that old studio? It was in Tacoma, D.C., in okay. my basement. Oh, yeah. nice. <laughs> Just in the basement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, actually, that, that makes me think... Uh, sorry, to, my brain's jumping around a lot sure. as we're talking. There's a lot of good stuff you're mentioning. What was the transition like going from a home studio to, to all of this? Like, Well, um, it was very different. Um we were able to build it from the ground up. We had sort of a blank canvas and Emily did amazing um, architectural drawings so that when the contractors came in, they knew exactly what to do. They were super impressed with what she did. She, she happened to, um, two of her best friends are architects. Oh, cool. Um, so she had a lot of help in doing all that. So yeah, so we could pretty much do anything we really wanted to do within our budget, which was, which was awesome. It was fascinating to, to, um, put something in paper and then actually build it and see it in real life. Her, her world, um, when she's not running the studio, she's a web developer. So she's working in this sort of intangible, um, virtual world. So for her to put something on paper and then actually make it into something tangible was pretty, um, pretty amazing for her, for both of us. Oh yeah. I imagine, yeah. you know, your vision come to life. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like six or seven funny. months of the build out. I spent like a week or two doing all the wiring. Yeah. Uh, is that part of your education? Like you, you can do electricity as well. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can do electrical. Um, a client, uh, chemo, and I did the wiring for a new kitchen in our house. That was awesome. Five hundred mm-hmm. feet of cable. Um, but no, I had no education in that at all. I mean, I, I took DC electronics in college. I did like a little bit, but uh, no, I sort of figured all that stuff out on my own. I just. Yeah, something would break and open it up, and oh, that's all charred black. Like, gotta fix it. Figure out what it is and pop it out and stick a new one in. You're braver than me. Yeah. I would not want to figure <laughs> out like electronics. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, for the think. most part, you can't really hurt yourself too bad. Really? Yeah, that's I mean, surprising. <laughs> so I this fuse broke on a, um, an Altec preamp, and I had the, the fuse holder, and I had to um, put it back on, and I was testing with a voltmeter to make sure the the voltage was going through correctly and um yeah somehow my voltmeter switched from ac to dc mm-hmm. and huge gigantic pop huge oh, spark wow. it literally charred the um saw uh, not the solder the um 
voltmeter probe and like melted the metal on it. Wow. It was crazy. I've never seen anything like that. But, so I'm uh, glad I didn't get in the way. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say that didn't hurt you though, right? No. <laughs> I, I mean, I've, I've shocked myself a couple of times and it's that like happens. 120 volts, nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just remember one time I was just trying to, my, uh, a cord had come loose from my amp, but yeah. I just got the worst shock ever, just trying oh, to no. the cable back in. Ooh. Eh, anyway. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> guitar cables, super easy to build. Yeah. yeah. You can build them for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So with this next phase, yeah. with uh, basically focusing on mixing, do you feel like that'll simplify things? Uh, uh, you know, not having a physical space, not worrying about that? Totally, totally. I, it, you, you might not know this, but I sort of, I love a lot of minimal music, like Brian Eno. Um, well, I know you love Prince too, which I would I do, which minimal. To, well, I mean, if you think about a lot, some of his music is very minimal. He'll, the, the, there'll be a, there's a song called It on, um, on, uh, you have to edit out this bass. <laughs> on, I, uh, I <laughs> It's a I Dream Factory. I wish I could help you Crystal out. Ball. It's from 87. Oh my god, I yeah, can't believe I it. Um, Sign of the Times. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Sign of the Times is a song called It, and it's literally like a drum beat and vocals. Like, he has a lot of things where, you know, you think it's a really complex song, but really at the end of the day, it's, you know, pretty minimal. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, Brian Eno, sorry. <laughs> right, Brian Eno, minimal. So, right. So right now, you know, we have... 24 preamps, a bunch of compressors, cables up the wazoo, direct boxes, amps, you know, all that stuff. For mixing, I'm not going to need nearly as much of that kind of stuff. I'll, you know, especially with mastering, I'll just need, you know, one or two really nice um, parametric um, uh, uh, EQs, um, multiband compressor, um, you know, ADDA, a couple like really nice pieces and like, that's pretty much it. Um, so I'm a I'm I'm looking forward to to that build out. I you know I always love when I'm not using a piece of gear, you know, for just collecting dust. I'll sell it and you know figure out something that'll replace it. And it's always it's always kind of been a fun puzzle piece doing that that part of the um the game. Yeah. All right. So it kind of sounds like you're fascinated with gear. Is that fair to say? I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, to a degree. To a degree. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely not a gearhead, but uh. Yeah, maybe I am. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Secret gear. Yeah. I mean, I don't sit there and talk about, you know, 600 hertz and, you know, the um, comb filtering that on that's a little weird. Like, I don't talk about that kind of stuff. That just sometimes is interesting, but at the end of the day, like, a good song is a good song. Right. Yeah. Now, you don't you don't play in bands anymore. No more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When did that stop for you? And... I was in a band in like 2008 or nine. I was like, it was like an indie rock band. Um, and then, so Lily was like an infant then. And then I stopped playing really when the studio was taking off. And then, yeah, I really haven't played much. Every once in a while I'll play on a, on a band's record. It was like a singer songwriter and they needed a drummer. Um, and then a couple years ago, I played, uh, in a Arcade Fire cover band. Oh, really? Yeah. We did all the songs <laughs> instrumentally. It was really fun. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, how long did that last? Like, how long? We just did one show. Oh, one yeah, show? Yeah, one show. That okay. was it. What's your favorite Arcade Fire song? <sighs> I really like Wake Up, No Cars Go is a good one. Yeah. 
Yeah, I sort of like the older stuff more yeah. than what they're doing now. I have to admit, like, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a fan, yeah. but uh, Wake Up is a really good song. It's pretty, like, I love the an- an- anthemic, anthemic, the songs with, anthemic, yeah, anthemic, anthemic yeah. yeah, really, like, big, you know, sing-along songs. And what were yeah. you playing in that? Drums. Is that your primary instrument? Yeah, yeah, I trained on drums, yeah. Do you think that's something you'll get back to? I hope so, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have two kits that I'm going to bring home, and, you know, the kids are playing on it, all the neighborhood kids come over, and they start, like, you know, playing on all the instruments, so it's kind of fun doing that, but, uh, yeah, I'd like to be in a band again, yeah. Are your kids interested in music? Totally, yeah, 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 I'm not pushing it on them at all, I'm just kind of, here are the instruments, (laughs) see what happens, yeah. Well, I feel like you'll push it there and just be like, that's lame. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I sort of had a theory before I had kids that I was going to push really crappy music on them and then see if they would sort of go the other way and yeah. just, like, figure it out on their own. But it's like, I just listen to what I listen to and they, like, they totally pick up on it. They don't know what's old and new. That would be such an interesting experiment. <laughs> totally, though. yeah. I mean, yeah, kids are such an experiment. Yeah. yeah. Someone needs to do that on their children. <laughs> I know, yeah. Well, I do it every once in a while. I'll put on, like, a really bad Kenny Rogers song or... <laughs> Something like that, and they'll just kind of look at me like, well, what did you just do? They've already got taste. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so, I, it looks like uh, it looks like we have another band coming in. I don't want to keep you too long. Sure, um, yeah, but is, there, is there more you want to, is there more people should know about what's happening with the studio? No, I mean, other than, you know, we're not going anywhere. We're going to be gone in Spain for 10 months, but we're coming back. We love Baltimore. We love our house. We love our neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you enjoy your time there. I really want, you know, I've always it's amazing. wanted to go to Spain. I gotta, I'll, I'll get there. Um, but I do always end with the, the same question. Um, so you were a musician. Uh, this is more of a musician than a recording question. Sure. So what advice would you have for someone in a band that, you know, maybe they're not sure if they want to do it professionally or sure. they just want to do it as a hobby? What What can you tell Tell maybe the younger you about being <laughs> in music. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know where I heard this, but something that's always resonated with me is um, you only get old the moment you stop listening or playing to music. Um, and I think that extends to like evolving with music. I think there was a study that said most people after age 30 don't listen to new music. They listen to, you know, what they had listened to as a kid or up until that point. Um, so I've always made it a point to to listen to new music. I'll always be listening to, you know, what Kesha's putting out or, you know, what the new songs are. Uh, and I feel like that's a good way to sort of flex your music muscle. That's good. Yeah. Actually, that's another reason why I'm, I'm doing this is because I, you know, I haven't been listening to new music. Yeah. So. It's the curse of the 30s. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you always kind of have that mentality with, you know, new music sucks now. Just, but it's like, but that's just like what your parents would say. And, mm. You know, prove them wrong. <laughs> yeah. Prove them wrong. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Matt. I really totally. appreciate your time. It's fun. Take care.